and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, Alyssa Mastromonico joins me live in the flesh in studio to talk about how being a pain in the ass to your congressional representative might have helped pave the way to Trump's impeachment. I mean, in addition to the president doing all those crimes. Then Megan Gailey makes her triumphant return to the studio to join Kieran Deal to talk about problematic faves, the things that we like, that we know are bad for us, but that we just can't quit. Then, as always, our hills. Before we get started, a little bit of housekeeping. If you want to submit a hill you'll die on, record a 30-second voice memo on your phone and send it to hysteria at crooked.com. And if you have a question that you would like us to answer on camera, you can submit your questions for Do You Asked via email also at hysteria at crooked.com. And don't forget to check out the segment on Crooked Media's Instagram. Crooked Media is teaming up with Stacey Abrams for her initiative, Fair Fight 2020. Stacey and her team are sourcing, training, and funding four members of a voter protection team in the 20 battleground states for 2020. I'm not going to read all of them this week because I read them all last week, and there's a lot of them. The team will include a voter protection director and deputy director, as well as a hotline director and voter protection organizer. Stand up and staff a hotline to answer voters' questions and troubleshoot any issue a voter might face before election or at the polls. Monitor, flag, and address any voting irregularities that could be caused by suppression efforts. Build and train an army of volunteers to undertake a massive poll observer program that will ensure attempts to suppress the vote are addressed at the time voters cast their ballots. Work with election officials, campaigns, and activists to ensure voting is free and fair for all in advance of elections and ensure that voters know how and where to get registered and vote as both 2020 primary and general elections approach. Each team costs roughly $250,000 for a total of $5 million. In order to get those teams on the ground a full year ahead of the election, we need to raise that amount by November 5th, 2019. It's election day. So far, we've raised $813,000, so we need you to chip in. You can chip in at votesaveamerica.com slash fairfight. So I am going to give you guys a wholesome recommendation for the week. Um, if you have Waze on your phone and you use Waze to get around, there's an option to change the voice on it to a Sesame Street voice. And I recommend changing it to the Cookie Monster voice. I did it in every single time I turned on my directions in my car. I laughed really hard. It's always a surprise to hear like, you take right. It's it's great. So wholesome recommendation, change the Waze voice to Sesame Street and uh, have a great time. Now let's get to the show. Oh my God, Alyssa. Hello. Erin. You're in the same room as me. Do I get my joke in person this week? Kind of. It's not really a joke as much as a tortured metaphor. Tell me. Okay. Um, so here's something that I sort of hate about American culture that I realize, because I'm, even though I can be a little bit of a, like, saber rattler in some situations, I avoid conflict with people I don't feel like they, I don't feel like deserve it. Like, I don't, like, fair, fair. I don't step to people and try to be mean. Right. It's just not in my nature. But there's a part of American culture that is built around people being a pain in the ass. Like, when you call customer service. Oh, and you need them to do something for you, you have to frustrate, like, you have to w- go up the levels. You have to frustrate the yes. person. You have to be like, let me talk to the person who's above you, please. I know this isn't your fault. I'm not trying to be mad at you, but I really need this to be taken care of. So can we get to the part where I talk to the person who can do something? Yes. You know, but you have to be an asshole. Like, that's part of it. It's like you try so hard. Exactly. Like, I, I, I do it all the time. I know this isn't your fault. 
but this is unacceptable. Uh-huh. So I'm going to need to talk to whoever can make this more acceptable for me. Yes. Right? E- exactly. I try not to. But that's built in. Like, it's built yes. into that. Like, if you're trying to cancel your cable, you have to be a pain in the ass up the ladder. If um, you're trying to, when you're going to see a band, at the end of the show, you even have to be a pain in the ass to the band. Because the band, like, pretends to walk off stage and you, ha- you, you knowing have to they're going to come like, back. Whoa! Yeah, we love you. Please don't go. Please. Yeah, come back Encore. and do, and then they come back. Their instruments are still set up because they're you going. You always to, tell. They're yeah, like they're coming back. Yes, except I was at a Lower Den show this last Friday, and they were like a couple shows, a couple songs before the end. They were like, "We don't like do the thing where we pretend we leave the state. We're when we're done playing, we're just we're done. done, and we're like, all right, cool. But that's built into the concert it's like, going. Thank experience. you for the transparency. Exactly. But you you're accept you're expected to be a pain in the ass. Yeah, in specific ways. And that's why being a pain in the ass works, I think. I, it does. It, it works in uh, an American culture, and it worked when it came to this impeachment inquiry. Um, so, Alyssa, do you think that the impeachment inquiry that Nancy Pelosi announced yesterday is partly due to the fact that lots of people decided to be pains in the ass? I do think it's due in part Right. I Mm -hmm. do think that Nancy Pelosi and I always have to remind everyone that many, many, many years ago when I wanted to join the roller derby in D.C., my name was going to be Nasty Pelosi. Right. Because who could defeat Nasty Pelosi? No. On the rink. No one. So one, I do think that she was never going to be gangstered into doing anything she didn't think was right. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't think that. But. I do think that there was a confluence of circumstance the other day where, like, it was undeniable. She knew where her caucus was at. You know, the progressive, you know, the more progressive wing of the Democratic Party, it was very clear where they were at. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the the being a pain in the ass had sort of set the stage. Mm-hmm. But she still, I think, you know, I think that she was, she had to be resolute in knowing that it was absolutely the right thing and not just a stunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was I was reading about the kind of way that the House Democrats turned, mm-hmm. um, and it was really interesting to me that before the August recess, there was only like a hundred and nine. Yeah people who are in the Democratic caucus who are like, I'm for impeachment. And as of yesterday, there were 206 House members, 205 Democrats, plus Justin Amash, who is a ex-Republican. Way to go. <laughs> Ex-Republican. Um, but a lot of that turn, um, some theorize, happened because in the August recess, a lot of people went home and faced constituents who were like, what the fuck? What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, agree. And it's a sort of like, pain, it's a pain in the ass trickle up effect. It's like you kick the ass of the person and they kick the ass of the person above them. And eventually Nancy, Nancy, Nasty Pelosi. Nasty P. Nasty Pelosi is, um, she sees the facts and she sees the support for impeachment. Right. Well, and I also think though, to your point that she, after the recess, there were people who, like a good example was when Rashida Tlaib was inaugurated, when she was right before she, the night she was sworn in, I think. And she said, we're going to impeach the motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Like Nancy was not persuaded by that. Right. Right. She wanted to know that people who were perhaps a bit more moderate went home to their districts and heard that this wasn't some like elite political thing. This was like what people really wanted, like constituents who have the power of the vote 
we're like, you know what, this is just fucked up and not fair. And this isn't about, I think that like what Trump did was so egregious Mm -hmm. that people were like, wait a minute, like he's actually breaking the law and this is exactly what impeachment is for. And we're either not going to use it because it seems political. Like you just have to do it because he did it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that that's also where it kind of came out at the end of August. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's thinking about if this is an impeachable, is not an impeachable. What is? Yeah. What is? What is? And, and is, it makes past impeachments look frivolous. It does. I mean, I was thinking about the Bill Clinton impeachment. And it's borderline goofy at this point. It was borderline. What what he did was not acceptable. No. But compared to this, Com- it was compared, goofy. <laughs> compared to like calling foreign powers and being like, yo, bro, I know that we stopped payment on the 400 milzos we were sending to you in military aid. But let's talk about. Joe Biden. Look. Like, are you kidding me? Look, yes. And if the presidency is an excuse to commit crimes, we need to consider that when we vote for people. Yes. We need to be like, who is going to commit the least bad crimes as are the president? I mean, because it's OK for them to do breaking it. Breaking into the DNC is quaint at this point. Yeah, it's yeah, it is. It's really quaint and old fashioned. By the way, um, you read the transcript of the call. Well, it's yeah. not even it's not a transcript. Let's not say transcript. Right. It is a, it was a memo representation. It was a it was an, an expression. <laughs> it was an expressionist word painting of what took place on the call. Um, do you think the president is OK? No. Oh, my God. My eyes are tearing up just trying to find the words for you. I can't like, you know, I was not a foreign policy person in the White House, um, but I did have access. I had higher clearance than most of the people in this White House did. And so I read transcripts of calls and they were not like this. Uh I mean, it's literally like he's calling someone down in Atlantic City to put the fix in. Oh, yeah. But also like, I mean, he doesn't sound like... He He doesn't sound like a president of anything other than his own fan club. Yeah, but he's also... Are you crying like sad No, I'm I'm not crying sad tears. It's just like it's painful. Uh Oh, pain tears. Pain tears. (laughs) These are the first presidential pain tears that happened on Hysteria. We made it a real long way. I know. No, I'm like, my eyes are really tearing up. I don't even know what to do. But the call, the, the transcript is so incoherent. And for anyone to say, you know, when they were talking yesterday, um... The members of Congress and even uh, Speaker Pelosi saying, we don't expect to see a quid pro quo in the transcript. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I guess so. And then I read it and it is so ham handed, Uh like like the lowest ranking person, like when people compare him to the mafia, it's like the mafia should sue for defamation because they're better than this. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) They're more deft. And it's like I thought, you know, it's like they say. You know, if if someone said to you, like, Aaron, you know what I mean, right? And what if you said the word wink, wink? Wink, wink. (laughs) It's just so ridiculous. Like, we get it. But this, like, everyone should go. It is important to see what, what is what is behind the big door in the Oval Office and what is happening in mm-hmm. there. Everyone should read the transcript because well, it is... It's not the transcript, though. It's, That's, right, right. It's, it's a, not it's the transcript. It's the memo. So of what, ha- of what is allegedly... What happened. There was, a, there was a third person in the room who was like, yeah, here, I'm writing down what's happening. Which everyone should think about when they read it, that, like, this is a spin. Like, not a spin, but it's a polished up version. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they, it, they shined the turd. And the, if that's a shiny turd, we should be even more concerned. I'm very concerned. Yeah, I mean, so it's written like a readout, which is like a reporter or some kind of transcription entity is in the room writing down what's happening. When I was working in journalism, I was I would do stuff like that sometimes. I would be in a meeting and I would write down basically the here's the gist of what happened. Um, because in some cases we weren't allowed to record or, you know, whatever. You write down the gist of what happened and at the end of it I would go through and try to make it make some sense. And sometimes the readouts that I wrote out um, did the speaker um, uh, some favors. I did some lifting to make them sound more coherent than they they were. Right. Arcs. Um, But, you know, and I was always able to make it sound fairly coherent. This does this does not this does not. There is nothing. um, And also you can tell when you read it, you're just you're feeling you know, in college, we use the term you're, you're corning for someone. Did you ever hear that expression? No. So if you were, say there was like a, like a, like a person making lame jokes or someone who was just acting goofy, you're like, oh, I corn for them. Meaning like you're feeling their corniness on their behalf. Uh-huh. I felt that way for the Ukrainian president. Yeah. Because he's clearly trying. It's like, you know, we forget that to all of these leaders still, they are dependent on us for aid and they do have to show the respect and deference to the president of the United States in theory, no matter who they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, it's some it's some it's some respect gymnastics going on well, in that conversation. It's even funnier to me that the president of the Ukraine is a former TV comedian, essentially the yes. jo- the John Stewart of the Ukraine. So imagine imagine a John Stewart type satirist having to sit on the other end of that call no listening and also being like this guy controls a massive nuclear arsenal um and oh money God. and a lot of so money. much money and a lot of money yeah he's um do you think he's dangerous now trump yeah any more dangerous than he was I do. before because it feels because before he was malevolent and he had no empathy and he was corrupt now I feel like he's desperate, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like the desper- desperation on Trump is not a good look mm-hmm. for it, you know, for any of us. It sort of reminds me of Succession, Alyssa. <laughs> <gasps> Can I mean, we please? Uh, I'm not caught up. <sighs> I'm not caught up. But it seems like a sort of seems like a situation where you know, I it. I feel like there are some people who were kind of cowering um, in hopes of currying favor from Donald Trump, but now that the dam is breaking are going to be more likely to turn on him. Yes. Um, And so I don't know that he has all the strength that he thought he had now that there is an inquiry about against him. Well, because the question is, can you pardon people if you're going through impeachment? I don't know. If you you can't, you certainly can't pardon them if you have been impeached. Can the president... I, I feel like the president pardoning himself is like, this is very crude, but it just it just seems like... The executive branch, like, sucking its own dick. Like, it can't— Well, yes. I mean, it's it's an SNL script that writes itself. Yeah. I, I mean, can we remove the ribs? Like, what's going on? <laughs> um, it, it just—I think we're in this kind of—we're we're in a moment in history where it, there is no precedent— and like there used to be some comfort in listening to people who had uh, like a knowledge of history being like, oh, this is how this sort of thing usually goes. Here's right. the procedure. But now it's like we can't guarantee that the president is going to to um, obey any subpoenas, do anything that anybody no. tells him to do. I mean, that's very true. And we can't guarantee that anybody is going to hold him accountable for not doing the things that he's legally required to do. So then what happens? Like, I don't know. I, he looks not well either. 
No, I mean, that that speech yesterday at the U.N., I mean, I don't know if he was like, I'm pretty open about my love of weed and, and you know, feeling like if I need something, I take care of myself with a little Xanax or whatever. I don't know what he was on. It was like ketamine. Like he was just nearly catatonic reading off of the teleprompter and his he just looked unwell. He did. Not in a ha ha he's funny orange kind of way. Like like he looked unwell. He looked sick. He looked like yeah. he looked like he had <laughs> I was thinking yesterday that he sort of looked like a like an 80s teen bully who was found floating in a bog 30 years later. Like just puffy like, and purple like the orange James Spader. Sort of except James do, do not besmirch James <laughs> Spader. Like when he was puffy. Um I refuse to acknowledge that era of James Spader. Do not besmirch the good name. I feel like as a young girl, I realized I was like, I am a sexual entity when James Spader called Molly Ringwald a bitch in Pretty in Pink. Oh, remember that? Yeah. Bitch. What does that say about me? I mean, look, I'm the one who's like, I can't believe how hot Kendall is, even when he's doing coke on succession. <laughs> like, I can't stop. Like, you can't stop me from loving Kendall, as I always stipulate, happily married may I be. But uh, he can do no wrong in my eyes. Um, yeah, we, we're on the same page when it comes to when that. He, when he, have you gotten to the part with the, with the car in the river? No, not yet. All right, then I'll leave that for you. Okay. But just know that when that happened, I was like, poor Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. I mean, so like, here's something that I think about. We have to wrap up this conversation, but which, Why? Makes, me, which makes me sad. I know. Let's just keep talking about it forever. Um, one thing I think about a lot. Um, so you mentioned, Alyssa, the Ukraine call and how it sounded like he was sort of he was he was making gangsters look bad by trying to sound like a gangster. Yes. I think a lot about media and whether or not certain populations can be trusted to use it responsibly. Like all yeah. gangster media, all like I know that people are going to watch Succession and think that the point of it is that these people are awesome. The point of it is that they're bad and it's fun to watch bad things happen to them. And the stakes are very high. Like, the, yes, yes. They're okay, not, I agree. You're, you're not I supposed agree. to try to be Shiv. You're supposed to be like, whoa, Shiv has no emotions beyond wanting her father's approval. Like you want. See, and I was like, whoa, I want to be Shiv. <laughs> okay, the other you the can't others I'm crystal clear on. But Shiv, I'm like, I think Roman, it's, not, it's not clear how it turns out for her. So, yeah, I think Roman is is really funny, but I don't think anybody should try to be Roman. No, I mean, he's he seems he. He may be a problematic fave. Yeah, he may be a problematic fave. <laughs> um, but I think that a lot of uh, a lot of these moments, I, I I see them and they they seem to me like Donald Trump watched a movie one time and got the total wrong message from it, and then tried oh, to play it. Absolutely, and it feels like his whole family does that. Like Don Jr. is like the kind of like you're not supposed to want to be Gordon Gecko. Like you're not supposed to, that's the point of those movies is he's bad. Yes. And I think that there's something missing where these people can't see that like, it's not cool to do crimes. It's true. It's kind of like Goodfellas, Wall Street, and a lot of other movies that we would watch and be like, fuck, that was entertaining, but fuck. Yeah. They're like taking notes. Yeah, they're like, oh, I should, oh, Tony Montana's awesome. And they, I and should like, want to be him. And they're taking the notes from the wrong person. You know what I mean? It's like there's Ray Liotta, there is Paul, Paulie, Paulie Sorvino, oh my God. But like, it's like they're taking notes from like Joe Pesci's character. Yeah. Dance, spider, dance. Pew, 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 pew. 
Right. Like he's the cool one. And yeah, they don't they don't pay attention. I think it's almost like they, they miss the part where he gets whacked at the end. Right. They don't stay for the end. They're like, this all sounds great. And awesome. they leave like before the midpoint. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Um, I, I think that is 100% true. The only thing is that in this sad parody of a mobster movie that is our government right now, where does Ivanka end up coming out on this? Like, I think she ends up—I'm going to put a marker down. I think because she and Jared do in believe in their core that she's going to somehow be the first female president, they still—they don't really see what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. I think she flips on her pop to save really? herself. I do. I do. Really? I think she flips on her pop. I don't know. I because mean, she's like Shiv. <laughs> yeah, she is a little bit. Although, you know, I um, I spoke to somebody once who was really close to the Trump administration and uh, who would read all of my um, all of my articles at right. the Daily Beast and would send me Steve Bannon and would sometimes send me emails and be like, great article. Just like, why are you reading my like, wait, Steve Bannon emailed you? Yeah. But anyway, he emailed me and was like. I wrote a piece that was like, Ivanka is Donald in a shift dress. And he's yeah. like, yeah, she is. That's exact. She she tries to do this whispery, like, like woman of the people thing, but she's exactly like Donald. She's and Just and, like her pop. And if she is just like him, then she's going to flip have, on him. She's going to flip on and him. And the brothers. And the brothers. Uh, what will become of Tiff? Tiffany, I think, is going to come out okay. Tiffany is going to start a business that that sells, like, crystals for lawyers. Like oh. it's business crystals. Like she's marrying new age, and they're and they're 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 not mined. They're manufactured. They're not even real crystals. Right, right. But they get some patents before they go out of office. Right. They're eco friendly, but like it's she's got some you know some Marla in her. She has, she does have and, Marla in her, and she's uh, which I think is a fundamentally good, <laughs> a good thing to have. Um, and I think she also has some sort of desire to to be a business person, which is the Trump family, and right. She's going to do business crystals. Oh. That's what I think. Well, I wish her well. I do, too, in my imagination. <laughs> Godspeed, Tiff. Godspeed, Tiffany. Um, we hope your dad gets kicked out of office. Fast. Fast. That would be great. President Pence. Oh. oh Jesus, take the wheel. Oh, actually, that's funny. That's really funny. <laughs> that's really. Imagine a president who wears short sleeve dress shirts. No. Yeah. He wears them. They used to call him sleeves in Congress. That was his nickname. No. Yes. Didn't know this. Yeah. Oh my God. Learning so much today. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, we have to take a take a quick break. I'm so glad you're here, Alyssa. This is so fun. So fun. I know. We're gonna do this a lot more. Yeah, totally. Okay. Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Tired of boring workout gear? Check out Viore. Viore's versatile and comfy products are designed to look great in and outside the gym, whether you're running, training, or even just lying on your couch, enjoying the fact that your two-year-old child is leaving you alone for five blessed minutes. I love that for Viore. You know what? That seems like a real perk of Viore. (laughs) It is. It's perfect. It's cut perfectly for lying down and just savoring a moment to be left alone. It's great. <laughs> five the, stars. No five, comment. 100% great. That's the type that's my favorite sport. The new the women's performance jogger is the softest jogger you'll ever own. Grab one of these new colors before they sell out and check out the women's daily legging which features a high-waist drawstring tie and upgraded no-slip fit. All things that are absolutely essential in a legging. Essential. Uh, I love these leggings. They are cuz you know like not everybody's the same. You know, so mm-hmm. it's like I need a little bit more room around my booty. So I 
size up a little bit, but then it's t- usually too big in my waist. And so now I just just pull that drawstring. Exactly. And I don't show I don't show any crack when I bend over. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. See, you have your baby and I have my butt crack. <laughs> <laughs> For guys, there's the men's core short, the most comfy lined athletic short out there, and the men's Sunday performance jogger. Oh my gosh, Alyssa, my brother, who I have given Viore performance gear to. Yes won an ultra marathon over the holidays. I saw that. That is so incredible. He ran 80 miles in the freezing cold. I don't think he was wearing his Viore core shorts because that would be dangerous. Dangerous. But, but he he loves wearing them to train, and uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm so pr- Viore played a role in his ultra marathon win. <laughs> Uh, plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint and reducing and offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 onwards. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Okay, we're back. We're at the part of the show where I am no longer lonely sitting at a table by myself. Although this week... The fuck? I, <laughs> <laughs> was I a ghost the last <laughs> Typical week. I don't need low self-esteem, thank you. Typical week. I'm sitting here at a table by myself and I'm talking on the phone with Alyssa. But this week, Alyssa Mastromonaco is in studio. Yes. And so she's sitting next to me again as I she took was a shower. Before. She did take a shower. I can tell when we hugged this morning that you were clean. And I washed my hair. That you were clean. Mm-hmm. Your hair does look very bouncy. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have with us today a uh, comedian, actor, and star of Sunnyside uh, on NBC. It's Kieran Deal. What are you ah, doing to your microphone? Hi. Just being an idiot. How are we? Great. Good. Great. Congratulations on the premiere of the uh, of the show. Let's see if it continues for a while. Yeah. Ben- <laughs> Bentley Airplane, Bus Face. We got plans. Putting your face on modes of transportation and slowly escalating those modes of transportation. Absolutely. That is my plan. Do you want a tank? Would you want a tank with your face on the side of it? Motorcycle? Mm-hmm. A mo- like a scooter, like a, a like razor a, scooter, like a bat cycle, like a Batman's motorcycle, but with your face on it. Only if it was making the vehicle worse by okay. a lot. Okay, you know. Okay, like an <laughs> ugly face on like a a beautiful thing. Okay, like you're just like. <laughs> you guys can't see that. Karen made a real ugly face. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, uh, back from a long hiatus, it's so good to have you back. It's Megan Gailey. Hi, guys. Hey. How have I you never, been? Oh, man, I've been good. I never know if I can talk before I've been introduced. And this is like an issue I have on other podcasts because Alyssa was dancing. And then I was like, yeah. But then I'm like, now they, you know, I've been gone for two months. They may not know who this phantom yeah is. I want to <laughs> support Karen's massive television. I mean, just watching the Emmy. I was like, I can't wait to see all my friends there next year. I know. You motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah. Did you go? No. Oh, I'm I didn't sorry to go. bring it up. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I didn't go. And I'm also not offended because the show hasn't premiered. <laughs> that's I guess true. That's true. Preemptive uh, Emmys. It's like a, a child's dream of like winning the Olympics. It's like, no, I won the the Emmy before the show because everybody knew it was gonna be the next flea bag or whatever. Yeah. She did great. Yeah. Good for her. Good uh, for her. Good for her. She's one of those where I'm just like, get it. 
Get yeah. it all. Take mm-hmm. it Got all. Got a multi-million dollar deal yesterday. I know. Amazon. Beautiful. Good girl. Good for her. You know, she did an interview with Terry Gross, which is recommended listening for okay. everybody because Terry Gross is a national treasure and so is Phoebe Waller-Bridge, an international treasure. Um, and <laughs> Terry Gross started one of the questions by going, you're very tall. Because <laughs> I think she's like six feet tall. I didn't. I wouldn't have known that. Yeah, she's, is she that tall? She's like 5'10 or six feet tall. I thought she was like 5'10. Wow. Does that mean that she was in studio with Terry Gross? Uh, I don't think so, but I think Terry did her research. She knows the height, weight, and measurements of everybody that she interviews. I did Terry Gross. Oh, yeah? Mm. I was top 10 NPR interviews of like 2017. Congrats. Yeah, put that on my grave. Yeah, but Terry was like, I'm very small. (laughs) Does your height like impact the way you interact with the world? And Phoebe Waller-Bridge was sort of like, yes. (laughs) I mean, yes, right? Yeah. I mean, of course. But yeah, what is she has a long stride. I bet she has a long stride. Like a, a gazelle. Yeah, I have or I have like a German aunt who has like you know, my my family they move like kind of like muskrats because they're all small. I was gonna people. say I'm like a hedgehog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like because you take smaller steps, so you kind of scurry around. It's all a little more frenetic. Yeah. Think about a bird with short legs versus a pelican. A duck? Yeah. Yeah. A t- pelicans don't have that long of legs. I mean like a crane? That's what I meant. A hair about a loon. A lo- I did mean that. It's been a while since I've been in nature. <laughs> Pelican has a big chin. Yes. You mean a crane? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, I do. A crane. Let's uh, go through and identify birds. Um, okay. I'm really excited to talk about this with this group of people um, because I've been thinking about it a lot lately. Um, and that's the concept of the problematic fave, the concept of liking something that you know has something very deeply wrong with it, but you like it anyway. Um, And the culture that we live in that sort of, uh, what's the word? Transitive property ascribes negative qualities to you if you like something problematic. So is it possible to like something that is problematic and not be bad yourself? I'm saying yes. Um, And if so, what are the things that are bad that you like? I'll start with you, Megan. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) No, honestly, when I got this email of the topic, I was like, I feel like this is all directed at me. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I was like, I was like, is this a trap before the show premieres? <laughs> say that. Well, that's funny because I'm like, am I myself a problematic thing? <laughs> okay, <great. laughs> so we all felt vulnerable to be here. Um, We're like, oh, this might go south quick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's obviously I like sports and um, it, it almost feels unfair to kind of pigeonhole them as being the worst abusers of women when it's like, oh, we've realized in the past few years, and many of us have known for a long time, that any industry is actually terrible to women and that athletes just happen to be really, really famous and visual people and are some of the dumbest people to punch people in elevators and hotels when they know that there have to be video cameras. Um, so, it, yeah, I've I've definitely thrown out jerseys of people. My fian- lovely fiance bought me like a really nice Lakers jersey of a guy who was crazy. But I always liked him because he was really funny. He's a guy who blew in LeBron's ear. <laughs> um, and he does really he does really funny dances. Like he's always been like a loose cannon. And so I got this jersey and it's like a game day jersey. It's like a hundred fifty dollar jersey. Whoa. We bought it at the Staples Megan's Center. Like, Megan's I like, I wore er- it. Erratic. Unpredictable. <laughs> I, I love him. Well, no, he was always silly. It was it silly. never it I never gotcha. felt dark. It right. was always like, oh, he's like Ellen. He's wacky. <laughs> like yeah. Ellen, the Ellen of the yes. NBA. The yes. Ellen of the NBA. And then I, we posted a picture from the game and of, of, of I honestly think it was a, 
hysteria fan DM'd me and was like, you know, he has like a, a tough, it was like 15 years ago, but he pushed a girlfriend down the stairs. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Yeah. You sure that Jersey wasn't was Ray Pruitt so it, from 90210? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was Lance Stevenson now in China. <laughs> and so I had to, like, I was telling CJ last night, I go, we need a section of our house where we just hang jerseys of athletes we no longer can support. <laughs> that you have personally retired. That I've personally retired. The asterisk room. Yeah, we had a friend yesterday tweeting, like, he saw this, like, crazy Kobe shirt. And he's like, should I get this? And we're like, no. <laughs> and everyone Everyone else is like, that's sick. And we're like, no, you can't. Colorado, get it out of here. In memoriam. Yeah. In memoriam. In memoriam. Oh, in memoriam. Yes. But I also like housewives, too. So, Well, we can get into that. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know we will. That's why I didn't lead with it. <laughs> <laughs> the sports thing is tough. I was raised on it, and it was a way that my dad and I bonded. Yeah. And it was a way that I bonded with my brother and my sister, even, and my mom. And my parents, like, still go to, they go to Minnesota Twins games. I think baseball is generally the least problematic. Oh, take offense to that. But. Uh, I mean, yeah. Anyway, they go to they still go to baseball games yeah. together, and it's like a thing that we do as a family, and I grew up really liking Kirby Puckett, who in his later years had a couple problems. And there was like, yeah, it's, it, I mean, and I can't help that I like watching football. I can't help it. I it's know. like a, I see a game on and I can't, I get excited and I want to watch it. Yeah. And I can't eradicate I that. Yeah. yeah. I can't eradicate it from the, I mean, I went to Notre Dame. I went to, I, which should have made me hate football. Yeah. But they've got they've got problematic they've, history. They've too. got a real problematic history. I remember when I was there my freshman year, there was um, an allegation of rape against multiple yes. players on the team. And I remember the student body like took their side. Like there was absolutely no question and everybody continued to cheer for the team. And uh -huh. like, it's just like Notre Dame was one of the highlighted stories in the hunting ground mm -hmm. where there was a girl who eventually ended up killing suicide herself. because yeah. of um, Aaron specifically because of, because of her <laughs> rape allegation very, very much going uninvestigated. The head of Notre Dame security ended up resigning over it. I mean, it was a huge, huge scandal. There's a giant Jesus in the back of the end zone. It's on the side of the library, first of all. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's a 13-story library with a, geez, a giant Jesus that you can see from one of the end zones. That is correct. Yes. Same. Um, Same. Yeah, it's, it's like, a, but, you know, when I see a Notre Dame game on TV, I'm like, I want them to win, but then I have mm -hmm. to stop. You, you, you know what I mean? It's, but it's can't hard. you want them to win? You can be a conscious fan. Like and you I think, got your degree from them. Yeah. yeah. Said the woman who graduated University of Wisconsin and roots for the Badgers. <laughs> but you can also look at, I, I guess something that I'm sort of doing now is finding players that do really amazing things, kind of no matter what team they're on, and then championing them and liking them. And like when Andrew Luck retired, it was, it was sad, but I'm like, hey, he did the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm actually very excited for this man that he took this position of like health and safety over glory. And, and then you see him being booed and you're like, we can't <laughs> boo this man who doesn't want to have a premature death. Right. Who yeah. just got married and totally. had a child. So right. you, you just have to be, oh, okay, I like the Colts, but I'm not a fan that's going to boo Andrew Luck. I'm going to be excited to see Jacoby Brissett. This is the most passionate I've ever seen you. 
you're like next level animated. I'm I'm not sure I've ever heard you be this. Oh, it's uh, but that's what it's so complicated because I feel the same way. It's like it's terrible, but I also I do love it, and so I'm I'm actually just finding a way to justify my love for it. Yeah. yeah, I mean the same thing. I mean like the <laughs> you're like yeah, uh-huh. fuck. I mean we all have, we all have stuff like Kieran. I'm sure you have things that you're like I love this and I can't help but love it, and it's problematic now or it wasn't problematic when it came out, but now it is problematic. Well, like movies and I think movies and comedy, right, are the two <laughs> things which are pretty large categories. Uh, well, the like, movie industry supported abuse of women on a large scale. So, uh, uh, yeah, abuse of women yeah. on a large scale. And then there's movies like Rosemary's Baby by Roman Polanski, mm-hmm. which is, you know, there's some very, very like Annie Hall is an incredible film by Woody Allen. Like there's some very problematic figures in um, in the history of the canon of um, filmmaking, I definitely um, have friends who won't watch a Roman Polanski movie, won't watch a Woody Allen movie. The The thing about, like, I've already seen those films, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's, you can be an incredible filmmaker and also a massive uh, piece of shit in your personal life. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the thing for me is like, like we it's almost like we've looked at we were looking at like the portrait zoomed in on the face and now it's like we've just zoomed out from the portrait and we see that the person is surrounded by diarrhea <laughs> you know like and it's like the diarrhea was always there right but we were just focused on the face and not the diarrhea do you find yourself being judged by people if you choose to find rosemary's baby to be a fantastic movie or if you want to watch an old woody allen movie or a newer Woody Allen movie. Do you find people judge you because of that? And do you think that's fair? I try to be conscious of where I put my money. So mm-hmm. like where I put my money in the future, like in terms of your money is a really valuable tool, right? And so I think in, in terms of something that's forward facing, like to me, it's like, I look at it this way. It's like, a lot of people didn't get opportunities when Woody Allen and Roman Polanski were making films. Right. A lot of women didn't get opportunities. But now we can live in a different world. Like if you are, you know, kind of a serial harasser, serial rapist, do I need to see you like making, you know, do I need to see you with a multimillion dollar Amazon deal? Mm-mm. No, I no. don't. Mm-mm. Like, do I need to support your content or your work? No, mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I I will I will do my best to try to like live to that. And I'm sure I've made mistakes. Are there films or like comedy specials that you feel like the content is problematic and not just the creator that you still mm. enjoy or that you did enjoy at one point? Like David Chappelle. I love like David. 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 I'm like, oh, right. David. You had that moment with him. You know about this, Aaron. We've what talked. a good memory. Thank yeah, you. she's got a good memory. Yes. One time I was taking a shit in the uh, improv, the upstairs improv bathroom. You know, you cannot no. shit in that bathroom, Karen. You got to go downstairs. Yeah. Got to go downstairs to the main bathroom. Okay. Well, it was right before my callback for JFL and I was like, okay, I was okay. nervous okay, and like okay. whatever. You were having just, a nervous shit. It was a nervous okay. shit. <laughs> anyway, what? Cut this. <laughs> so like, so I'm leaving the bathroom. I'm leaving the bathroom and I'm walking through. And right as I was leaving to go down the stairs, like this entourage of people came in and he just kind of like walked like walked right toward like almost like into my face and I it was a knee-jerk reaction it wasn't it was a knee-jerk reaction when I saw him I was just like David (laughs) (laughs) David is that you and I think I was so familiar that he thought he did he knew me Mm -hmm. and he was like what's up baby you know (laughs) 
that's a pro move, though. <laughs> if you can, like, turn on a... If somebody... Like, you can tell someone's really good at being famous. If you can... Like, if they can treat you like they... Yeah. They... they oh, yeah, I, I know who this person is. Or I might have... Because yeah. he might have known me. Yeah. I, I might have been a colleague at his PR firm mm-hmm. or something, and he yeah. hung out with me a few times, and he doesn't remember because he meets so many people. When you call someone by their, like, birth certificate name, too, they're like, I must know that yeah. person. <laughs> and it just came out. D- David, 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 you're... You know, David, I have to say... <laughs> I, I really, you know, I really enjoy your <laughs> jokes and your comedy. But how do you feel now? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I that special for me was like, I did watch it. And I, it's funny because it's like some of his shit is so incisive mm-hmm. and so sharp. You know, he has such a great brain. Like his, I, his school shooting stuff, I really thought was like very... Because you're towing the line in in stand-up, right? It's like you're towing the line and they're doing things that are like a little bit purposefully pushing what that line is. And then you have people who are aging and have like mm-hmm. kind of a different perception of what was acceptable when they were like in their prime. And, you know, this is like, so how do you, how do you adjust to the world around you? Um, and... It's a really hard, it's a really hard one because I don't agree with everything he said in that special. But you don't have to like agree with something to laugh at it. That's like something that I've found really strange in like the the era of cancel culture. Like something can be a good joke. Like Anthony Jeselnik is a really good example of somebody Mm. who is very, just a fucking great joke writer. Mm. And a lot of his jokes are about him like killing people or like, (laughs) and it's like, I don't, I'm not laughing because I, I'm like, yes, do it. Kill someone. I'm like, that's a great joke. It surprised me or it played with my expectations. It like worked as a piece of humor. And I think like. I mean, everybody has a right to decide where they draw the line for themselves. But I really, I mean, yeah, Dave Chappelle's new special, despite the fact that I disagree with a lot of points he was making, made me laugh a lot. And it's just kind of, I don't know. It's just the nature of where comedy is right now, I think. So up until like 20, like Ashton Kutcher did Brownface in a Pop Chips commercial like after 2010. Mm-hmm. And it was like 2000. I want to say. Really? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Go Alyssa's look, researching. Look up, look up the year. Look up <laughs> the really year. I really like Pop Chips, too. <laughs> but <laughs> Ashton really Kutcher, I re- because I remember because Hassan did a video about it. And I remember when I saw it, it was kind of like, yeah, well, that's what happens kind of oh, thing. Shit. Like that's what people did. What year was it? 2012. Yeah, that's seven years ago. It's not that long. Ashton Kutcher appears in brown face for pop chips. Internet calls racism from Mashable. Okay. And I remember Hassan did a video about it and 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 about how angry it made him. So did Aziz, apparently. Did he? Yeah. And it was funny. I mean, his video, like Hassan's video was funny. But I remember I was like, oh, I think that's how you change what the conversation is Mm -hmm. because it was so like that was just a thing that happened people making fun of Indian accents and like that's the thing I grew up with and like and people saying something is what changed the nature of that being okay in popular culture Mm -hmm. so that's the other side of cancel culture right (gasps) oh that's egregious egregious we're looking at the picture yeah there's also a bad accent i mean it just you know on every front you bring up something interesting too that's like instead of fighting these things that are clearly problematic with like anger fighting them with humor i mean like this is why what you're doing is ridiculous and i can be funny. I saw a lot of that during this Shane Gillis debacle. Mm -hmm, Um, I saw a lot of like 
I mean, <laughs> CJ was a Jewish. CJ is a Filipino, and he was like, this shit is great. He, he <laughs> yeah. took a video of his mom saying noodle. You know, like, he just was like, this is so crazy. Uh-huh. He's like, it's like my bully got SNL. It's so wild. <laughs> and he was so fascinated by it. But he did also, in his heart, think it was, like, truly hilarious how mad Asian people made this man. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. Alyssa, did you follow mm-hmm. that whole Shane Gillis debacle? Not really. Um, I mean, I did. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know what happened, but it was it was all just handled so poorly. Yeah. Yeah. It was handled really poorly. I was just thinking because you walked into the studio today listening to music. Listening I did. To Led, Led, Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin, which is a very problematic band. I'll let, I guess I found out. Um, I didn't have any idea. Yeah, they did some fucked up shit in the 70s. Mm. But like, how do you rec- like when do you decide, Alyssa, that you can't engage with like a musician? What, what, what's so, the line for you? It's like, well, music's probably out. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's it's I actually like when I was getting ready for this, I was really bummed out when I started thinking like, OK, my problematic faves, Michael Jackson. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. OK, I grew up. I am older than everyone here, um, but I grew up not just like listening to Michael Jackson, but it was like in my dance school, yes, Tap Ballet Jazz Point, um, <laughs> if you were really good, if your class was really good, you got the Michael Jackson song, okay? Like I could stand up at this table and do part of the Smooth Criminal video. When he did the movie, This Is It, I was like, Oh, twist Fuck. our arms. Okay, let's play <laughs> it. Let's make a video. No, I was, he's like, it's like, at what point does talent, is talent overridden by bad personal behavior? Right. I feel like we need a, like a, a mathematic formula. Right. I'm like, he's dead. Is it okay to like him again? Like, I don't know. Like, it's fucked up. I mean, is it okay that he's probably in hell? Is that enough? I mean, I don't know. But it was, but for me, it's really, you know, like, like, how good do you have to be for you to transcend all of your um, sins here on Earth? Like, for example, one of my favorites. So when I was reading through a lot of like these, you know, and I was totally understanding what problematic fave means, um, I was like, it took me down the music rabbit hole. And so I was like, and they're talking about these bands that are essentially, you know, for all intents and purposes, known as like dad bands, mm-hmm, straight mm-hmm. white men who like these bands. And I was like, fuck, this is like my top 10 rotation Me too. on my iPhone. <laughs> I was like, Led Zeppelin, the Doobie Brothers. I can tell you everything you want to know about Michael McDonald because I do like <laughs> the Doobies in the in the Michael McDonald era. Like before that, I was not as into them. But then <laughs> deep cuts in there this episode are of things great, I don't know. There are great. Uh, and so in this, it was like, you know, the Grateful Dead was considered a problem, you know, that they were like the white straight dad band. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I see plenty of women at dead shows, which I still go to, which is now dead and company because, you know, we lost Jerry. (laughs) Um, We lost Jerry and Phil is not a part of it anymore. And also just like rest in peace, Robert Hunter. He passed away the other day. He's the the epic poet, lyricist, uh, wrote tons of my favorite dead songs. Um, but there's this one song, this this one version of uh, Turn On Your Love Light, right? Always been my favorite. And in the post-Harvey era, I'm listening to it. And I hear them say, and it's, and it's alive, it's live, it's from the 70s. And they're like, grab the woman next to you and tell her you love her. And I was like, <gasps> can I not listen to this anymore? Mm. And I'm like, should I just not listen to this version of the song? And like, that's where my problem at. I really, I wrestle. I, I do still listen to that version of the song because it makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then what about if you, 
and then if you extend that narrative, so you're talking about the band, right? But what about any producer who exploited an artist? Mm-hmm. What about right. any person who exploited someone sexually, harassed them? What about somebody who exploited the artist um, it, financially, so that the artist has become bankrupt? Like, where does the the it's where does the line end in terms of the you know, the morality argument, it's a, that's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, I think anytime there's an industry that is, uh, that has like a giant prize at the top and there's right. a lot of power right. concentrated in the hands of a few people, um, uh, some of the people that pursue that power are doing it not because they really care about the work or the art. It's because they care about being able to exert power over people. Right. Like Harvey Weinstein seemed like the type of person who was kind of like in it for the rape. Like he wasn't really, yeah. like he wasn't really like a guy who, who, um, Golden Globes aside. Yeah. Right. He was like a, he was like somebody who, you know, worked in film, but like seemed to pursue the amount of power that he had because it gave him access to what mm-hmm. he wanted. And I think that there are people who work in a lot of in music also that people be- become producers, people become executives and use that access and that power to extract things from people. And I think that's a great question. I don't know the answer to it. Or like, what about it's like Les Moonves? Les, I think I've said this before. It's like Les Moonves was the president of um, CBS when Jane the Virgin and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend were on. Right. Um, and kept those shows on the air categorically, mm-hmm. you know, in spite of ratings. A lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, so where does that put you that I don't think that excuses any of his behavior by any stretch of the imagination. But it, like there's a there's a complexity to people right. like that literally supporting female leads, female minority leads on television and changing what visibility looks like while also being a person who is doing just egregious things behind mm-hmm. closed Eric doors. Eric Schneiderman, the former AG of right. New York Whoa. State, who was a very like strong advocate for women publicly, but privately was an abusive piece of shit. Well, and I will say another <sighs> problematic fave of mine, well, not necessarily fave anymore, was uh, was Charlie Rose. Mm-hmm. Like the reason yeah. anybody ever gave a shit about me after the White House was because Charlie Rose sort of plucked me from out of nowhere and did a whole hour with me. And after mm. that, it's like people knew who I was. I got a book deal. You know, like there was like he he was very supportive of me. And so when that happened, it's like, well, you know, he, he didn't do it to me, but he this was a pattern of behavior for many years. And so, like, is it bad that I accepted his help? Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's very complicated. That is a thing that I, I, that is a thing that a lot of people who are kind of serial harassers do. There's a forward facing mm-hmm. um, right. front of the opposite of your behavior behind closed doors. And it may be driven by guilt to some extent or or, or it's complicated. Or maybe I was really talented. I, no, I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but as I'm hearing no. like the less moon, no. or it's just like what mm. you don't, you don't know the, even if the outcome is Wonderful. You don't know the motive of why they're doing the less moonves of it. I do think your point is like, where does the line, where do you draw it? For me personally, it's not, well, everybody has somebody bad, a part of something. So I just consume everything. Right. I, that's personally not where I'm at. I do try and like, no, I when the soul cycle thing was happening mm-hmm. and, equal, and everyone was like, yeah, but if you go to the top of any company, they're all going to it's like, OK, but b- bring them to us and then we will make that decision. It right. can't just be like, well, everybody's bad. So we'll just do whatever the fuck we mm-hmm. want. Right. Because then that's a complacency. Absolutely. So I guess that's why I, I really do try to be forward facing in terms of consumption. You know, like like where do I put my money? Who do I support with my money? 
you know, which movies will I go see in the yeah. theater? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I going to buy yeah. on Can I Amazon? Venmo Kesha directly? Correct. <laughs> yeah. Can I just go around? Megan, I, mean, I like, have Kesha's so Venmo. Yeah. Okay. I don't. If you want that but conversation online. <laughs> Offline? If anybody knows Kesha's Venmo, we have somebody here who'd like it. I would love to send her money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like... So there, there's a form of complacency in people just being like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to keep doing anything. Anyway, Are, is there anything that people consume or any favorite that people continue to have that makes you actually like like the person less? Like if you met somebody who was like, I'm a huge, um, I don't know, I'm a huge Ben Roethlisberger fan. <laughs> um, like somebody who's a huge fan specifically of Ben Roethlisberger is somebody who I'm just kind of like, ooh. Yeah. Guys, this episode is full of references. I don't know. He's a he's a quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, who I didn't know that. Is injured and yeah, out for this injured and out so. injured and out for the season. Yeah. He uh, has looked about in his early 40s for as long as I can remember, but he's apparently around my age. Um, he uh, he's he had some pretty credible rape and sexual misconduct allegations against him um, from a long time ago, and is kind of known to be bad. Um, bad. Um, but that's the type of person that there's so much information, like Ray Rice. Like there's so much information out right. there. Um, and it, so if somebody continues to be a fan of somebody who's like on video hurting mm-hmm. their child or beating their girlfriend, then I'm going to be like Or that. their cat or dog. Yeah. Sorry, that's a line for me too. Yeah. I mean, but that one's a really dramatic one. Is there somebody that that you can hear someone be a fan of and you're like, ooh, I like you less or I, I question you as a human? <laughs> yes. I don't, th- I, I, not one that pops to mind. Donald Trump? Yeah, Donald Trump. Oh, okay, fair, <laughs> fair. Yes, yes. Well, when I was just like, let's start at the top and go down for me. Yeah. Like, yes, <laughs> yeah. hard yes. I mean, but what's the appeal of being a fan of his? Unless you're just like a bootlicker who wants to get a committee appointment or something. I, but I mean, just like a person at their home. Oh, yeah. You know, like rah rah. Oh, yeah. That's... Yeah, like in the store with the MAGA yes. hat on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I definitely like you less. Yes. <laughs> with but, this hat. But politics also like employs yes. this whole yes. set of like a, a whole ideology, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. you can judge them because it's like, I'm judging your morals. You're not just a fan of this person, you're a fan of what this person stands for. So, like, I don't know, Megan, besides, Don- is there somebody outside of politics that you would hear someone be a fan of and you're like, oof, that's not great? Roethlisberger, yeah. I, I, Kobe's Kobe's tough for me. When people are just like, I love Kobe. I'm like, that is really kind of crazy to me. Yeah. Um, and I, when the Louis stuff first came out and people were def- mm. so defensive of him, like very, really, really defending him, I was like, that's a, that's a weird stance to take. I, I understand being like, I'm going to still consume his art. I'm not going. I'm Listeners, I'm not consuming his art. I'm I'm done consuming it. But when if people are just like, yeah, I, I like what he has to say and I want to hear it. I'm like, I, I don't love that. But to be like really defending him, I'm like, I like you less for do sure. You th- do you think that it's because it seems sort of like a form of telling on yourself? When like you, def- I mean, so like um, I remember in we're talking about Dave Chappelle, um, he his last special, he did the thing about Me Too people where he right. was like, which I which I like disagreed with so much yeah. that I didn't even think it was I didn't couldn't laugh. At I it. saw him do it live at a Lauren Hill concert. And I was like, I don't think this is the audience for this. Right. David. <laughs> David, David, I, I didn't like his Me Too material. I didn't. No. I mean, my the biggest thing there was like, can it be? better and sharper and more 
incisive and clever. Like if you're going to make a point that I vehemently disagree with, or that's the diametric opposite of my belief system, like make it in a way that I'm like, I don't agree, but like, damn, that's good joke writing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, how do you make it very, 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 very funny, Mm -hmm. I suppose. There's some not so famous comedians, too. I mean, I guess they're famous, famous enough that I won't say them, that when people like like their shows, I'm like, oh, we... We wouldn't get. I, I don't. I don't want to have a meal with you. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, let's pivot really quick. The face you made as you nodded at your own point was amazing, <laughs> and I wish people could. That was a you, mood. Honestly, you should just strap a GoPro and just film me because you're into it, girl. <laughs> I'm into it. Give I like me, everything. I'm, I'm I want to co-star on Sunnyside. We could just a woman that's like, "This is condemned." <laughs> <laughs> Megan shows up and asks to see the manager, yeah. and, and then leaves. Um, I want to pivot a little bit to reality TV. Which is mm. something that a lot of women watch in some form or of some form or another, and um, it's also something that I've found a lot of cultural critics like to pretend they're better than. Mm-hmm. Um, which also reads like sometimes reads like it's a little bit misogynist to me when people are like every reality TV show is dumb. It's like no, that's not actually true. So my reality TV kind of guilty pleasure is not even The Bachelor or The Bachelorette anymore because it's like watching sadistic producers play Barbies with like Miss Tennessee. Oh, I know where you're going. I, I know where you're it. going. I feel like we're going to paradise. We're going to paradise. I love Bachelor in Paradise. I <laughs> love it. Where do you guys watch these shows? Television. What the fuck? Are you serious? Uh, Bachelor in Paradise is on Hulu. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> and oh. you can do Hulu Lives. So you can watch in real time. Yeah. It's pretty good. But um, does anyone have a Hulu login account? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alyssa, you and I text about Bachelor in oh. Paradise. What? Oh. What is it? It's, what's it's appeal. So, first of all, I'm just not going to lie. I love the whole franchise. <laughs> all right? And I need to be honest, I have only started watching it since Donald Trump became president. Mm. Really? Don't know why. Don't know why. But I have. It, 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 and, but not just watch. Like, obsessive tweeter have been on the podcasts and live shows about The Bachelor. Mostly because people are like, wait a minute, she was yeah. White House Deputy They're Chief so of Staff and <laughs> she, like, everyone feels real fucking validated yeah, that yeah, yeah. I love the show. Now, BIP has a real appeal because it's like everyone has a choice. BIP is Bachelor in Paradise. Bachelor in Paradise. Just trying to keep up. I mean, okay. (laughs) People are listening in their cars as they are driving. (laughs) And they all know what BIP is. (laughs) Not everyone. I mean, everyone but you. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hurtful. But but Paradise to me feels like everyone goes in and has a choice. You know, Mm -hmm. like you get to pick who you it's not just like all the women lined up and like you're pretty, you're pretty, you're okay. I'm going to keep you because if I cut you this week, I'm going to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, so I feel like paradise is more egalitarian. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not going to lie. I have gone back and started watching season one of The Bachelor. Wow. Come a long way, guys. We yeah. have. I mean, now, on the one hand, people, like, women actually wore pants in the first season. Women had curly hair, like, natural <laughs> hair that was not chemically treated. Um, they did not have a ton of makeup on. There were in a, a lot of chokers, you guys, a lot of chokers. A lot of chokers in the first season. When was that, like, 2000? Oh, it was, tr- yeah. Yeah. That, I thought that, that's, like, beyond chokers being cool. Chokers. Well, Ninety-seven was not I think, for ABC. Okay, I the want you to know I was personally Who? doing the mental gymnastics of like, are they talking about the fashion or people who like to be? Oh no! Oh, <laughs> oh no! No, there's fashion. No and then no I was sex. like, there's what no, is this show? Except in the fantasy suite, 
allegedly. But uh, no, I just I I love the whole thing. I guess it's like, you know, whether it's the reality, I guess for me, it's not. People know what they're getting into when they do these shows. So I don't totally feel like people like the Real Housewives. I don't feel like they're being exploited. They know what the show is. Yeah, they're on there for Instagram followers. Right. They want followers. Yeah. They want to make money. They're and there like for all of the the Bachelor folks. They come out with podcasts and endorsement yeah. deals and like all that stuff. So I feel like everyone's there for the, you know, for their own business mm-hmm. forwardness. But uh, I hate to bring up something, but for the sake of the conversation, I do feel like it's important. Uh-oh. The creator of The Bachelor has very, very bad domestic violence charges against him. Mike oh. Fleiss? Yeah. Really? That's Accused unfo- of attacking his wife. That's unfortunate. I so just, it's like, but the, I'm only bringing that up in the wow. sense of like, so not only are we liking, because I like it too. I definitely, I didn't watch Hannah. Roll Tide was like too much for me. Um, <laughs> but... I enjoy it. And, you know, when people are like, oh, it's trash. I'm like, well, I watch way, 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 way trashier things than this. But it's but even at like the top of this pyramid is a man who has been abusive to women. Right. But then on this season of Bachelor in Paradise, it was the first ever like mainstream depiction of a same sex relationship. Right. And it was a bisexual woman who was very visible and honest about her bisexuality. And so it's like. I thought you were going to be like, but on this episode of The Bachelor, they had Mike Fleiss on and he stood in the middle of a circle and everyone beat the shit out of him with sticks. Which would have been, so, but they would have to be like in bikinis. Yeah. But like, I'd watch it. I would totally watch that. Um, it was very Lord of the Flies. <laughs> they that, left him for dead. <laughs> hmm. I'm, I, I'm, I feel like we're pitching an idea right now. Um, uh, but Megan, you watch... Real Housewives. You're a big fan. Yes. Um, speaking of, I saw my uh, coworker Danielle Schneider yes. last night, who's the host yes, of Bitch Sash, which is a uh, which is a podcast about Real Housewives. Yes. A very popular one. Yeah. And uh, Danielle is lovely and intelligent, and so are you. So I've never watched an episode of Real Housewives like ever. Oh. Mm-hmm. New Jersey's my fave. Do you really? So so like what? Explain to me your kind of like mental process of like becoming a fan of Real Housewives and like what its appeal is to you. And I'm not saying I'm not trying to be like snotty. Like, no, what's no, its no, appeal? No, no. I've been in it since the beginning. I watched the OC first season and I, I don't know if it like spoke to my upbringing. Like I, I had I grew up around, you know, white women that my mom would be like, well, they're swingers, you know, like they were like <laughs> fun. Th- and, you know, my parents were like on the straight and narrow and like intellectuals and like doing things. But then there were people in the neighborhood that she's like, and so I did, I was drawn to that. I am a bit of a gossip bitch. So I did like that. I liked watching them interact with their kids and there were layers to it. I think people have come to the defense of it recently and been like, well, it was kind of the first programming to put women of a certain age on television who saw themselves as sexual beings and were drinking and and not being perfect human beings all the time and also then not being villain complicated 360 female characters and so that's something that we can lean on when we're defending it but it's just good and like 
It's fun. I remember my mom would come in and be like, I hope you don't want to be like these women. It's like, no, I don't want to be. This isn't me learning how to be a housewife. It's not aspirational. No, this is me watching and I'm on a thread with friends that I text with. Like there is a community around it in the same way that fantasy football has where it's like, oh, these are the girls that I always talk about OC with. And I've been able to like draw CJ into the below deck meds and <laughs> and the Vanderpump's. And and I just I, I follow their children on Instagram like I'm in the world and some of it is escapism from Hollywood, too, where it's like, well, this is not hard, hard scripted. So I didn't lose a job. On this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I wasn't even up for a job. This isn't WGA. So I just I've always liked it. And there's been ones that have fallen off for me. New Jersey is one that is hard for me just because they're all can you so s- trumpy. Can you s- explain why you like it so much? It's the escapism. What else? I think the women are dynamic. Their fights are hilarious. Oh, Teresa Judice when she's oh, like, yes. son of a whore and oh, flips the yeah. table. It's like one of the best TV one. moments ever. The clothes are wild. Their houses are crazy. In some ways, we are laughing at them instead of with them. Um, but you, it, it, they have really compelling story arcs and the editing is next level beautiful. Like these editors deserve Emmys. They are doing some of the most incredible cutaways. Some of the, and, and, they're, and now they're actually talking about real issues. There was a Kavanaugh storyline on Beverly Hills. They went to a former plantation on Potomac where one of the ladies' ancestors had been slaves. Like, they are now really going at shit um, in a way that is needed. But at the bottom of it, it's like, it's fun to watch them on vacation fighting and throwing drinks at each other. (laughs) Karen, do you watch any reality TV or, like, trashy entertainment? I mean, I watch clips of The Voice on YouTube. (laughs) That's your, your, like, inspo, though, right? You're like a great aunt. That's great. I'm sorry. It's, look, you have to understand the thing about me is I spend a lot of time lying down. (laughs) So it's not that I'm, like, so busy or, like, doing really important things. It's, like, I really am napping quite a bit. So, like, and you know what I mean? Like, it's just a lot to get in front of my television, to search it on Hulu. I think you got to get a TV in your bedroom, girl. Oh, yeah, I can't. No, oh, yeah. I would never leave. I can't do that. <laughs> Megan, that's crazy talk. I would never leave that place. You're like, I thought Kieran was on Sunnyside. No, no. not anymore. She no, discovered she the housewives. Yeah. <laughs> that is no. actually a, a plot line in uh, Infinite Jest. There's a thing called the entertainment where people get so addicted to it that they die. They wow. just won't. They don't stop watching it. They starve to death watching it. And that would be you. You'd be like a yeah. Infinite Jest character. That sounds right. That sounds correct. That sounds correct. I mean, why do you watch clips of The Voice? What What do you get from I it? I like watching clips of The Voice because I like seeing how talented people we don't know are. Mm-hmm. It's a, such a good reminder because so many people, it's a high pressure situation to perform in. You know, like you're on this television show, you've been waiting probably for hours. And then it's like people go and they're really tapped into their, like they're really tapped into uh, a sense of of who they are and are able to kind of really deliver mm-hmm. in a moment. And it's like, it's a, I find it like a really kind of inspiring reminder that there's like, you know, that's so you, earnest. That's why, that's why know? I like it. I, and I think because I've had to audition quite a bit, I'm like, it's, it's always interesting to me to watch like somebody who like 
really is able to uh, lose themselves in the experience of hmm. like, like just forget about the audience, forget about the stakes and like really be very, very present. My favorite, I cannot stop whenever I am feeling down, when I'm really like, fuck, the world is fucked, whatever. I watched Susan Boyle yeah. do her mm. performance. It was a Britain's Got Talent, yes, right? Of course. And to me, everyone's laughing at her. She gets on stage. The audience is laughing at her. Simon Cowell is, oh, ho, ho, ho. And why are they laughing at her? They're laughing at her because she's older. Mm-hmm. She's right. au naturel. Like yeah. she looks, I mean, she has clothes on, but, mm-hmm. and she just gets up there and fucking kills it. And yeah. to me, it's like the same. I used to watch The Voice. I'm not mocking. I used to, I was an obsessive. Just talents voice everywhere. Watcher. Talents yeah. everywhere. But that's like, like, I like the reminder that. But you would like Project Runway. You would like Top Chef. I'm also watching American Idol and The Voice. I would watch, <laughs> I would watch uh, that. I watched some Project Runway. Yeah, I, I remember like watching, that. but it, I, I, first of all, I think the barrier to entry for me in this kind of television is that it's the television part. I don't mm. have television. So now I have to go search it on Hulu versus like That's fair. flipping through the channels. I think when I was like at home at my parents' house and I'm flipping and it's a flip through the channels, what's on kind of situation. I watched more of it then. Mm-hmm. So I'd be like, oh, this is on. I'll like watch it as opposed to seeking it out as an active fan. See, mm-hmm. and I just... DVR everything, <laughs> right? You've got one it's of those. It's just very like, impressive because you've written books and you're on a million things. And I, where do you guys find the time? Sometimes you there will be week like there were two weeks where I was behind on Housewives and it was devastating because I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't listen to Bitch Sesh. I couldn't text with my friends. And then it's a community for you. It is a community. It it's, really is. No, it's a way to bond with other people and it's a community and it's an escape. Well, well people watch Bollywood be, films for the same reason. It's like it, no, but it's like a very interesting thing because. Because back when it was really just network television, right, before there was so many cable channels, television was kind of what united people. Like, mm-hmm. like it was consensus viewing. It's what you talked about at the water, water cooler. The water cooler And viewing, so, yeah. you know, for me, I do find that I think it's interesting that you can be a Trump supporter or you can be, like, campaigning for Elizabeth Warren and you both may love Bachelor in Paradise. Right. Yeah. And so I think that it's nice that there's still, you know— something that we all enjoy. But I do, like I was telling Aaron, I was behind on succession. I was freaking the fuck out. I missed a board meeting the other day because I was like, (laughs) you know what? I'm going to California and then I'm coming back and I go to DC and fuck, then it's like the next episode. So I stayed home to watch it because I needed to be focused. I needed to enjoy it. And I've watched it twice since then. I had a friend in college that she, she, um, who my roommate who I lived with the freshman year and we had a moral reasoning class together. That was the name of the class, moral (laughs) reasoning. And she told the TA that she had to leave like 15 minutes early every week for an appointment. And he was like, cool. And then I would get back to the house and she would be watching Bold and the Beautiful. (laughs) And it was just like, I I get that. And I was like, I was like, really? And she was like, she was, I was like an appointment. And she's like, I did have an appointment on my couch watching (laughs) Bold and the Beautiful. (laughs) Okay. We have to end this conversation on problematic faves. Um, that was, was, it was I, both bold and beautiful. I was, I was gonna say, maybe, you know, maybe you guys have convinced me with your, I didn't know it was such a community building activity. Maybe, I mean, maybe I need, I'm in the wrong here. I need to be honest. My freshman year of college, I had friends because of television. My freshman year was my so called life, friends, and ER all launched. My freshman year was Joe Millionaire. The first oh, season wow. of Joe Millionaire. We had, no, it was maybe my sophomore year. We had, uh, we would all get together, yes. and it was that's like, what it was. Yes, we did we that all for Grey's Anatomy. In the common room. Yeah, we would go to fraternities and have fraternity viewing parties of Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, 
Well, <laughs> lot, lot of, that's like no, a problematic. I'm like, wait a minute. You were in college in 2004. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's all the time we have to talk about problematic faves. I'm sure we're going to talk about it at some point in the future because people will disappoint us yeah. and fuck up and we're going to have to dive into it again. But um, Alyssa, Megan, Kieran, thanks for stopping by and we have to take a break. Beyonce, Katanji Brown Jackson, the lady who spent 500 days in a cave. Women are all around us. And this Women's History Month, the Crooked Store is celebrating with a pop-up shop featuring favorites from women of color founded companies. For a limited time, the She Commerce pop-up shop has everything from delicious goodies to kids books to candles, all from small companies that we love. It is a great way to support women of color while treating a woman in your own life. Maybe that's yourself to a sweet distraction from the endless horrors that we face every single day. Happy Women's History Month to all. Check out what's in stock at crooked.com slash store for this month only. And welcome back. We've reached the part of the show where we get really opinionated about things that don't really matter. It's the hills we'll die on. Let's get started with our listener hill. Hi, ladies. Nadi here. I'm going to be super quick because this is like my 20th recording. <laughs> um, but a hill that I die on, I just think it's so stupid and unnecessary when people send you text messages or Slack messages with a million periods at the end of their message, almost like they are having a thought trail off and they just won't express. I think it's super passive and so unnecessary. If you have something to say, just say it. That's my hill. Thanks so much. I love you guys. Oh, she's anti-ellipsis, the rare anti-ellipsis hill. Huh. I don't think I've ever gotten a text message that has a lot of dots. My dad almost exclusively ends every sentence in uh, ellipsis, and it is cryptic. <laughs> it is hilariously cryptic. He'll be like, I got on the plane today, dot, dot, dot. And you're like, and then. Yeah, exactly. Or it's sunny here in Florida, dot, dot, dot. And you're just like, what? You know, it's just like he, his his sentences. Meanwhile, on the planet Tatooine. That's right, exactly. <laughs> okay, yeah, I can see that being annoying if it happened all the time. I I I personally find it hilarious. Yeah, it's I can yeah, it's very funny. It's very funny to me. I'm gonna um, have to notice that. I'm gonna do it to you. <laughs> oh please! <laughs> dot 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 dot. I'm Whoa. just gonna write the words. Dot 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 dot. dot. Um, okay, so here's the hill I'll die on this week. Um, have you ever been in line for coffee and somebody orders extra hot, or like you hear someone call it like, "Oh, we're giving you a you know, it's a latte, extra hot, or whatever." Mm-hmm. I've seen that happen a bunch of times. People ordering extra hot coffee, and the hill I'll die on is if you order extra hot coffee, you are a demon. Or a warlock. Like, there is something wrong with you. Now, but you, have you ever gotten one of the, like, so if I get a latte or a cappuccino, and they clearly don't warm up the milk enough, mm. and then it makes my coffee a bit lukewarm. I don't I, get that lattes. That irritates the fuck out of me. I don't get lattes and cappuccinos. Do you think people are ever oh, doing you it punch. for, like, later in the day? Like, they're like, I want this in an hour. Because I would just be like, well, you can't drink it for... An hour, like it just will sit and not right. be able to be consumed. Yeah, I, I just, get it. Child temp. 
sometimes. Oh, really? Yeah. What? Like, yeah, you can get a child temperature. Like the temperature oh. of a child? Or, no. Oh, it's okay. Like, be like, <laughs> so that they can drink it as soon like as a, they get like it. Like a little kid's drinking. Oh, right. Okay. I have the mouth of a child. 98.6 degrees. Got exactly. it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Karen, you want to go next? No, give me a minute. I'm okay. ready. Okay, I'm Megan's ready. ready. Megan, okay, you go. go. I, but I've been stocking these puppies up. Um, <laughs> good. I love fried pickles. They are so good. Places have to stop serving them as fried pickle spears. We don't want the spears. We want the fried pickle chips. Mm -hmm. A spear is so strange. It's just like we're in it for the fry. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what you we want, want as much fry yes. surface area as possible. And and like it's a lukewarm in the middle of the pickle. And you're like, no, no, no. And I, I, it, I've i never had a spear. And then I've only been getting spears. I'm like, it must be cheaper or something because there's no way that people prefer this to the chip. But just hear me and know that when we want fried pickles, we want fried pickle chips. Okay. Huh. I mean, wouldn't it kind of like slide out weird? It's, it would be yes, like a de- that happens too. If, yes. Like it like, gets degloved. Yes. Ew. <laughs> like a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not going to add anything here. <laughs> I was pretty passionate about that too, Karen. You were. Thank you. That was a that was an equal level of passion. Maybe this is just a passionate day for you, Gilly. <laughs> yeah. Back I'm, in the I'm up on my meds. <laughs> <laughs> They're working. They're kicking in overtime. I love that. Karen, you ready? I am ready. Okay. okay. Go. Um, if you are sitting on a shared bench... Mm-hmm. And you shake that bench <gasps> with your foot. Yes, mm-hmm. because you have a nervous mm-hmm. tick and you're kind of bopping. I hate you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate you. Yeah. I don't. I. I. It's. And how do you deal with it when somebody is shaking? Like you know, in a coffee shop, there'll be sometimes it's like one long bench, and then one person's like shaking it, and we're now all on a you know a ride at Disney World on Adventureland or whatever it is, <laughs> and can trigger anxiety in me. Personally. Exactly, it's I agree. Very, with you. And then how do you handle that? You like you kind of look at them and you're like, <laughs> just like try, trying to get their attention in a quiet way. That Be like, are you are you okay? Yeah, are you okay? Is there an earthquake? Oh, it's you. I think you could just say, "Can you please stop?" I've asked people. I mean, I've asked like family members. Okay. Yeah. Not strangers, but I'll be like, please stop shaking. What about the what about a stranger? Listen, I'm going to now. I think Can it's... you please record that also? Yeah, absolutely. Can you please stop shaking? You should say my titties are bopping. <laughs> stop it. If you do it while not blinking, yeah. you're definitely gonna stop. My titties are bopping. Stop your shaking. You, you just have to yeah. You just have to present yourself as like more threatening. Than they yeah. could possibly be. And eyes wide open and my titties are bopping. Send a message of emotional instability. My titties are bopping. No blinking. That is probably the way to get out of almost anything. <laughs> that sounds like a way to get out of a parking ticket. <laughs> you could get out of a... I mean, it would. your friend in college could have been like, yeah. I got to go 15 minutes early every day. My, my titties my are bopping. Poppin'. My titties are bopping. <laughs> I'm shaking. We got to stop it. And then... Somebody's like, I feel you. Uh, Karen, I'll die on that hill with you. Another thing that I hate is when people have no awareness of the fact that the um, the tray on the back of airplane seats it affects the yep. person in the seat in Slam. front of them. Mm. I hate it so much. Wait, mm. my, my hill is a plane hill. Okay, oh, good. Let's, well, let's segue into that. Alyssa, mm. what, what hill will you die on this week? People who keep their windows open oh. on the plane. Mm. Now, look. I know someone's going to be like, but I get airsick and I need to watch while we take off. I am understanding of the takeoff and landing window up. But when I'm trying to watch Succession mm-hmm. on my iPad, 
there's a glare because what no one mm. realizes is that your window affects the other people more than it affects you. Like mm. it is a, a, and I'm admittedly a bit phototropic. Okay. So I'm a little mm. sensitive to light, but it's like in my face and it just, my, my rage boils over. It's like mm. one minute I'm fine. And then I'm like sighing loudly. And then I like motion to the flight attendant. Like, can you tell them to fucking shut their window? Cause I can't watch my show. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, mm-hmm. no, we're not going to do that. So that one's a real, I really, it's, it's please just close your window or like ask the person next to you. If you don't have a material reason for wanting it open, but you just want the light. Be like, Hey, does this bother you? Mm-hmm. Because the truth is I'm never going to say yes, but my rage will de-escalate if you've asked me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you're Common aware space. that this is pretty unreasonable. What? No. What? Are you fucking I don't think kidding it's me? <laughs> I think, well, if you say jiggler. Wait. <laughs> Ooh. I had Ooh. a woman once. Bench what? Jiggler. Bench Wait. jiggler. I like, I, oh, oh <laughs> fighting words, but I feel, oh, I feel, oh, I, I perked up. <laughs> what about this, Karen? I had a woman once reach across me to open no. the window that no. was my no. That's very intense. That's my, very I'm intense. in charge of the window. See? Yeah. That's happened to me, though, too, before. I was uh, horrified. Did, did you shut it? Fuck yes, I shut it. Good. And did she open it again? No. Yeah, they have to learn. People have you to. You stared her straight in the face, and you were like, "My titties are jiggling." <laughs> but what I, what I like to do on planes bopping. and at my airports, boobies are bopping. I like what was to it? be very friendly. I'm like smiling. I'm, yes. I'm not even chatting. I'm just like smiling at everybody. So then, if something does go wrong, they know that I'm not the bitch who cried window shut. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be happy. So then, when things are bad. Yeah, you can really complain. Um, it's basically I, how I live my life. <laughs> well, I'm only I was only saying that because yes, you, Karen. as a bench jiggler, my like as a as a bench jiggler hater, I, I was only saying that because you were like, if they ask me, of course, I'm not going to say it bothers me, which well, makes me like, think that which makes me think that on some level you think it's a little insane. Guys, all my hills are a little insane. You <laughs> That's know? the point yeah. of the hill. I mean, like I, get I live it. on it's Earth. Like it's like I love to sing to music. But when other people sing in the car with me, yeah. I get annoyed. Mm. Yeah. I know mm. it's not reasonable. Mm. And I do funny, passive aggressive things to be like, huh, that's so funny. You really take it to the high note, huh? <laughs> and no one ever picks up what I'm putting down. Mm-hmm. So I know my shit's unreasonable, but I'm sharing it in a safe space. At least until a minute ago, I thought it was a safe Ooh. space. We support you. Thank you. You are supported and supported. And you're dead on that hill. <laughs> <laughs> all right that's all the time we have this week for hysteria megan and karen thanks for coming by and Alyssa, thank you for flying across the country to uh with open windows yeah we know it was tough for you <laughs> and hey if you're listening this is this is thursday oh, yeah. now oh yeah right so this is thursday so if you're listening today please tune into Sunnyside. it'll be 9 30 p.m after the good place on nbc good spot and good you, spot and if you don't have television uh the nielsen ratings also count um tweeting and Instagram okay. and Facebook, which I didn't know. So really? if you tw- yeah, if you tweeted between like 9, 15 p.m. and like 10, 15 p.m. or something, huh. it also counts towards the That's towards crazy. the Nielsen. I learned that from our social media team. <laughs> oh, so wow. if you don't have television, like I don't, uh, <laughs> so I will not be watching. Uh, you can. Uh, it's you kind can, of interesting. You can tweet. About, like yeah. on TV, but don't watch TV. I do watch it. I just don't have like TV. You know, but you're like dependent on people. I'm just saying, you might want to just fucking get a TV. I have a TV. I mean, you might want to turn it on and connect to something. (laughs) I got Hulu. I got Netflix. (laughs) I got the apps. I got the apps, 
baby. I'm giving you Hulu. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for tuning in. And there will be more Hysteria next week. Hysteria is a product of Crooked Media. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our editor is Sarah Barrett, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support and to our digital team, Elijah Cohn and Nadina Melkonian for filming and editing our video content every week. Mom,